You're listening to Church on the Park Inspiration Podcast. Brought to you by Holy Fire. And broadcasting from the heart of Brisbane City, Australia. Speaking today is Pastor Glenn Gerhauser. Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6, we're working our way through the armor of God. I want to thank Patrick for his testimony. Thanks, Patrick. That was excellent. One of the things we say to our kids, and I would encourage you to do the same thing, is no matter how they act or what they say to us, sometimes they say some things that are quite hurtful. But we say to them, no matter what you say, what you do, we're always going to love you. And we still love you. And it's something that I constantly affirm to the kids, that we love them. And I would encourage you to do that with your children, too. No matter what, we love you. Because uh, that's how we learn that from the gospel, the good news. That while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. So that very nature of Christ, that sacrificial nature of Christ, that Christ died for us, that no matter how we are toward Him, He is loving toward us. He is gracious toward us. That needs to be our heart in parenting and leading. That's what a true leader or shepherd is. True leader or shepherd is not somebody with a title or position, but somebody that reflects the heart of Jesus and the heart of the Father to the people. And that's what the Lord is doing in our day. Hallelujah. And talking about children, I'm really happy that it's Eva's 12th birthday today. So happy birthday, Eva. We're proud of you. Um, She had some friends over for a sleepover and a cousin. She's a little tired this morning. But we love you, uh, Eva, and we thank God for you. Eva's a very creative person. She's always creating things. She has aspirations to be an interior designer. Uh, So she loves to design things, and she's made her room really nice and pretty and beautiful. And she loves, uh, when she plays video games, she loves to make homes and make them look really Uh, Cool. So uh, Eva has that creative gift, and she's her name means life, and she's a life bringer. So we love you, Eva, and we thank you that you're part of this family. Praise the Lord. Now this morning the message is entitled "The Power of Peace." The power of peace. And I don't have any notes here. I have no handout. I have no, I have no notes. We've had uh, a virus kind of going around the family. Not COVID. We got tested. Not COVID. <laughs> Just so you not worry. But at first, Eva, first Valerie had it, and Eva, and Allison, and 
Anna, and then it hit me quite hard this week. But while I'm sitting in bed, there's not much to do. And the Lord began to speak to me in that time, as that's always my heart, is that the Lord speaks to me. So we're going to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to the armor of God. I'm going to pray, and then we'll get into the word together. Father, thank you for your word. We're already hearing of your heart. You're already pouring out your spirit. I pray that you continue to pour out your spirit. We stand here by the grace of God. We are here by your grace and your mercy alone, Jesus. We thank you for your blood. We thank you that you have called us and you have chosen us. And we are your children. And Father, you're teaching us to fight. So continue to teach us to fight and anoint this word and kiss this word. And Lord, let it be something we put on in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, we'll put our hands on our hearts. Let's pray with some conviction. Dear Jesus, speak to my heart and change my life in your precious name. Amen. Well, if we go to Ephesians 6.13, it talks about putting on the full armor of God. A few months ago, the Lord spoke to my heart, I want you to teach my people to fight. So... The Father knows what we're going through. He sees us every day. And what he's saying to us is, I want you to learn to fight. Ephesians 6.13 says, Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now we'll stop here. Notice the progression and the order of the armor. And we have been focusing on these things. If it, there's been a theme over the weeks. First, we were focusing on, well, over the months now. First, we were focusing on the truth. The belt of truth. Now, first, you need the truth before you can go onward to righteousness. In order to be righteous and to receive righteousness, you need the truth. So first, the truth. And then, it says, the breastplate of righteousness. Then after the, breastplate, the breastplate of righteousness is the boots of the good news of peace. So truth, then righteousness, then peace. And I want to talk about standing in peace, walking in peace, putting on that peace, and living in peace. And we're going to be talking about peace for, for a few weeks, God willing. And here again it says, having shod your feet, with the preparation or the, the readiness or the establishment or the strength of the gospel of peace, the good news of peace. So let's now go to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. And it's in John chapter 
20 and 21 that I feel is the pasture ground that the shepherd is leading us to and there's much to feed off of and glean off of John 20. Specifically today, we're going to go to John chapter 20, verse 19. Excuse me. Nobody wants to hear that. Yeah. So John 20, verse 19 through 29. Now, why are we here? This is a place where I felt the Holy Spirit drawing me to this week. But also, Jesus says, peace be with you three times. The context here is that Jesus was just crucified and rose from the dead, but the disciples didn't really realize the revelation of his resurrection yet. They didn't know the power of his resurrection yet. And because they didn't know the power of his resurrection yet and what he did and what he accomplished on the cross, they were locked in a room for fear of the Jews. Now, what did they fear? They feared that the Jews may crucify them as well. They, they feared that uh, they would be rejected. They probably also feared Jesus himself because they had forsaken Jesus at the cross. John tells us that when Jesus was captured and he, he was taken to the cross, they all forsook him and fled. And they, all, they, they feared what God would say. They feared what they did. They were full of fear, and they were in a lockdown. And so this is the context here. John 2019. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, that's today. Did you know that this is the first day of the week, Sunday? Often in our business mindset, we think it's the Monday, but the first day of the week is Sunday. This is why we gather. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. And the disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. He's one of those people who was, wasn't in the gathering. Verse 25, so the other disciples were saying to him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands and the imprint of the nails and put my finger into the place of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. After eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors having been shut and stood in their midst and said, peace be with you. 
Then he said to Thomas, reach here with your finger and see my hands and reach here your hand and put it into my side and do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are they who did not see and yet believe. And so I want us to reflect on these three times that Jesus said, peace be with you. He said it three times, and so it's significant. And it's much more than a greeting. It's much more than a greeting. And each communication of peace has something, uh, some facet to it that is very powerful. And so, again, I'm going to be talking about the power of peace. Now, many of you know the Hebrew word for peace. It's one of the most important Hebrew words there is. Shalom. Can you say that with me? Shalom. And it is a greeting that the Jews use today, shalom. In the Hebrew translation, this is shalom lachem, peace be to you, shalom lachem. In the Greek, it's erene humin, erene humin, which is peace to you. And that's where Irene's name comes from, peace. And it means, peace means a lot more than the absence of tension or war. So when we think about peace in the Bible, our minds have to be expanded. They need to grow. They need to see, we need to see peace from a uh, biblical perspective and what it means. Shalom. The root of shalom comes from shalem. And shalem is like to uh, make something whole, make something entire. So this root would be used if you broke something and you paid a restitution. The idea, the, the Hebrew root here is that, that bringing back to normal. If you stole something, you restore it, you bring it back to its original state. So that's the idea of the root of shalom. Shalom means peace, safety, friendship, prosperity, soundness is an important word that reflects what God's peace is, soundness, entirety, that which is entire, that which is complete and intact, wholeness. Now, I'll, I'll share some, some other things about what shalom means, but I just want to say that this really is the longing of everyone that has been saved. We long for completeness. We long for that entirety. Uh, we long that there would be a soundness in our minds. There would be a soundness in our emotions. There would be a fullness in our life. There would be uh, shalom in our body, health in our body. Another way shalom could be translated is as health, welfare, 
Uh, we know from Jeremiah 29.11 that his plans for us are, the word in Hebrew is shalom. So the very plan of God, his, his, his intention for us, his intention for his people is shalom, is peace. And this is why when Jesus comes and says, peace be to you, it's not just like, hey, how you doing? But these guys need peace. They are broken. They are shattered. They are traumatized by the cross. They are traumatized by the things that they have been through. They are full of fear. They are locked in. And, and in the midst of this, Jesus is coming and he's saying, peace be to you. He's trying to restore them. And he is restoring them. He's even commissioning them. And why should they be commissioned? They're not ready. They're fearful. But Jesus is amazing like this and God is amazing like this through, through scripture. He commissions us even before we are ready. Then he tells us, get ready, get filled, wait, now go. And so we see Gideon when he's shaking in his boots in Judges chapter 6. What does God say to him? A mighty warrior. Peace, peace be to you. And the revelation of God's peace is in the story of Gideon. Yeah, that's one of the, God's names. Yahweh is peace. It comes from the story of Gideon. Gideon wasn't destroyed. But then God used Gideon and called him a mighty warrior. Even before he was a mighty warrior, God always calls us something before we are. Why is that so important? Because it's the word that makes us. It is the word from Jesus' mouth that makes us who we are. And so here Jesus comes into this locked room. This room is locked. And he doesn't knock on the door <laughs> like the Laodicean church. He doesn't knock on the door. He goes right in. They're not ready to open up the door. They're not at that point. He comes in and said, and the first thing he says is, you know, good scoundrels, you all left me behind. Right? Oh, I'm glad that I have a few editors here. That was from the New Living Wrong Translation, or the New Dead Wrong Translation. <laughs> no, he doesn't say that. He says something that we would not expect. He says something like, different than the normal response like Patrick is talking about in the parent story and what he's, God's been teaching him about parenting. And even, even adult kids need their fathers and mothers. I even need my, my dad and his blessing, but I ultimately look to my heavenly father. I wish I had my mom around, but I don't. Um, but I valued all the input that I had when my mom was around. Adult parents, even for, I'm 45 years old. I, could, I still am blessed when my dad says, oh, I'm proud of you, Glenn. And we're driving in the car. He says, I understand, I understand what you're doing in Australia, and I just want you to do what the Father wants you to do. I just want you to do what God wants want you to do for your life. You know how much sacrifice my parents made that 
to let me just come to Australia. I mean, they could have been twisting my arm and holding me back. And what about the grandkids and my life and everything? But they said, they said this, and it caused a lot of pain. I just want to let you know it caused a lot of pain in my family. But they said, we know that God has called you to this, and we want you to do God's will. And as a family, we put God's will over our own feelings and the ideal life that we all cherish. And this is why I'm here. I'm not here of my own accord. I'm not here because I'm trying to do something that Glenn has planned in his head. I'm here because God has sent me. And I keep standing here and sharing the word because God has sent me. And this is my strength. It's, it's not me, but it is Christ in me. And it's because God wants to do something new and fresh in Australia. Not that there's not, that there's not others. There is other wonderful pastors and churches, but God wants to do something new and fresh and living. Yeah, it needs the word to be built up onto. And so, here it is, Jesus comes. He comes into the, the door, through the door, right through it. It's locked. And he doesn't say, you dirty, rotten scoundrels. But he says, shalom lachem. Peace be with you. What is this shalom? Again, completeness, intactness, wholeness, health. Security, wellness, tranquility, welfare, friendliness. This is, what, this is what these disciples needed because of how affected they were by the cross. They did not understand fully the cross. They did not understand the resurrection. They didn't understand the power that the cross and the resurrection unleashed. And this is how many of us are today. We're still locked in the room out of fear of people. And the Lord wants us to put on the good news of peace and march forward, move forward. He wants to restore our hearts. He wants to restore our emotions. He wants to restore our minds. And even before they're fully restored, he wants us to bring the message out because you'll never be perfect. But he wants you to be moving forward. Now, unless God is restoring you, you don't have the authority to share. But you'll never also be perfect. But you need to have the shoes on. You need to have the boots on. And God has called us and commissioned us in our weakness and in our fear to be empowered by his peace. And so he says to the Jews, I mean to the the remnant of Jews, he says to the disciples who are Jews, who are also fear, fearing their fellow Jews, he stands right in the midst of them, right in the middle of them. And so this is, Jesus wants to come right in the middle of our brokenness, right in the middle of our pain, 
right in the middle of our despair. He wants to come right in the middle and bring his shalom. So I know of the brokenness. I know of the pain that you're going through. I know of the heartache that you're going through. And Jesus wants to come and stand right in the middle of it and say, Shalom. And as he does this, the more he speaks his peace over us, the more our lives are restored. And we also should then have a heart to say, Jesus, come right in the middle of my brokenness. Come right in the middle of my pain. Come right in the middle of the pain and the brokenness of this world and bring your shalom. Bring your peace. Now, one of the first things we need to realize is that only Jesus is the source of peace. Only Jesus is the source of peace and completeness and wholeness. Many people are looking to other things rather than Jesus for peace. But he is the only one that can bring peace because of the nails in his hands and his feet and the spear through his side. And he shows them that. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side because this is how he purchased peace. He purchased it through the nails, through his wounds, through his sacrifice on the cross. That is how he purchased peace. After he says, peace be with you, he shows them his wounds. And so for peace to be operating in our life, we need to see afresh his wounds and what he did on the cross. Now, someone asked me recently, and I won't mention their name, but it's a very good question. Should I go to counseling? Should I go to counseling? And the answer I had is yes, but realize a couple of things. First, that you need a good counselor. And it's good to have a counselor that knows the word of God. But second, and this is so important with any problems or issues, is that the counseling or the course or the education or whatever it is, it will never be the full solution. the counselor will not be able to give you shalom. Only Jesus can give you shalom. They can give you some techniques, like when you're feeling angry, stop, take a few deep breaths, <laughs> then approach it. And they can give you some, a few coping techniques. But ultimate peace does not come from a man or a woman, from education or a doctor. And I know this is breaking idols in people's minds because we lift up these people and, and God can use them in, in ways. But the ultimate purpose of anybody's skill or talent should be to lead people to the Prince of Peace. Yes. Only he can bring wholeness. Only he can bring deliverance. Only he, he can bring freedom. And so go to a counselor, but realize that the counselor may not have and will not have what Jesus has. And so the best type of counseling is to bring you to Jesus, 
to bring you to his peace, to bring you to what he can only do because he is the creator of the heavens and the earth. Do you hear this? Do you agree with it? Because it's a simple truth, but it brings so much freedom. And Anna preached a, a, and taught a great uh, session on Monday. And it was all about returning back to the source. And Jeremiah's lament in Jeremiah chapter 2 is the people are, are making their own broken cisterns and they're drinking water from this, these muddy cisterns when they could be coming to the fountain of living water. So I want to encourage you to come to the fountain of living water. Amen. Come to the one who is actually peace. So the first time Jesus is saying, peace be with you, he's dispelling their fears and he's restoring their relationship. What does peace do? Peace restores relationship with God and peace dispels fear. So peace restores relationship and dispels our unhealthy fear of God. There's a healthy fear of God as I've taught you about, and there's an unhealthy fear. And right now, the, the disciples are in this unhealthy fear. Now, Siri doesn't understand, and so I'll repeat it again. <laughs> there is an unhealthy fear and a, health, a healthy fear, and they're in this unhealthy fear. And God's shalom, his peace, restores our relationship with him and dispels our fears of people and even our unhealthy fear of God. Jesus spoke peace to those who have forsaken him. So peace means that re restoration of unity, that restoration of relationship, that completeness and wholeness. And the whole reason why we're broken is because of sin. Sin separates us from God. Sin causes us to be separated from life itself, and that's God himself. Sin causes us to run from God and to hide ourselves. And so we see here with the disciples a, a little picture of Adam and Eve after they sinned. They were hiding behind the bushes. God's coming and seeking after them, saying, where are you? God is the one making the uh, initiative in that whole story. God is seeking man rather than man is seeking God. Man can never seek God unless God first seeks man. And so God is seeking man in Genesis, in the garden. And also we see Jesus is seeking his disciples. The doors are closed. They are locked. It's not like Jesus is knocking and they're opening the door. No, Jesus is breaking right into their midst into their fear, and God is seeking man once again. And he's seeking man for one reason, to bring shalom. And God wants his shalom in our lives. He wants his shalom in our church. He wants us to walk in his shalom. He wants us to walk in his peace. He wants his shalom in our families, in our communities. But it has to first start with myself. It's like we, a lot of people are crying out, oh, we want world peace, but we can't even get along in our own home. 
<laughs> we can't even get along online. You look at the Twitter feed or Facebook feed, and you mention something, and people are uh, all attacking all about they want to be right. They want to be right about something. And they're attacking one another. One time, I questioned something that someone was saying, and all these people rose up and started to attack me. So I just said, you know what? I don't need any more of that in my life. I'll just unfriend them. <laughs> I did that a couple times last year, and I, I feel better for it. Oh, I thought, oh, no. <laughs> I don't want to hurt their feelings. Nope. <laughs> it's over. I don't need any more drama in my life. I got enough drama. So peace, what it does is it restores relationship. And that's what we see in the first mention of peace be with you here. Then we have the next one. So Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, also I send you. Or just as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Do you know that the Holy Spirit is the one who gives us shalom? The Holy Spirit's the one that gives us peace. And in this second proclamation or declaration of peace, we see that peace empowers you to be a representative of Jesus. Peace empowers you to be a representative of Jesus. Peace be with you as the Father has sent me. I also send you. So they are being commissioned to be Christ ambassadors. As he sent me, and as I represent him, so you also are being sent. As the Father sent me, I also send you, and you're representing me. Shalom empowers you to represent Jesus. Shalom empowers you to be an ambassador. And it's not that Jesus is giving you something other than himself when he gives you peace. Jesus is giving you himself. He himself is our peace. It's not just a gift. It's more than just a gift. It is himself. He is peace. And so when Jesus says, peace be with you, he is giving you his own peace, which is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of peace, the spirit of shalom. The Holy Spirit brings the restoration in our lives, and he comes right into the midst of our hearts that are broken and shattered. He comes right into the midst of our souls and our emotions and our families. And there he begins to work. There, like Nehemiah, he begins to build he begins to restore the walls. He comes right into the midst of us. So after he says, peace be with you, as he's commissioning them, he breathes on them. And this is, the Holy Spirit is God's breath. The Holy Spirit is God's breath. That same breath that brought Adam and 
Adam to life. The same breath that brought Adam to life. God breathed on him and he became a living soul. That same breath is what enables us to truly live. That breath imparts to us eternal life. Receive the Holy Spirit. And he, he breathes on them. So then we see the connection between Jesus' breath and the Holy Spirit. And without the Holy Spirit, we'll never be ambassadors because it's more than just being a witness of Christ and being his representative is more than just learning a formula or something you can learn from a course or learning some steps or learning some techniques of evangelism. Techniques are good to have as tools, but they are never uh, the, the main thing. And uh, hopefully in the weeks to come, I want to talk about how do you share your faith? How do you share the good news? How do you share the good news? Unconventionally. So different than a lot of the ways that we have learned to share, the, share our faith that have been rooted in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil rather than rooted in the tree of life. Hallelujah. So there is a new and living way to share your, the good news. And it has to do with being filled with the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit empowers you so that what you're sharing is the Word of God right there that is needed for that time and that person and that situation. And you wouldn't even know fully, but the Holy Spirit knows that person, that heart, and that situation. That's why sometimes... When I've shared the word, people say, oh, somebody must have been gossiping to you, telling you about my life. It had nothing to do with that. I don't spend time trying to spy on people or hear gossip to find out about people's lives. I have enough issues <laughs> to try to know in some way. If it hits home, it's because God knows. And what I'm doing, and I think every uh, good preacher and teacher of the word should be doing, is when they, before they share the word, they're saying, Holy Spirit, I'm dependent on you. Give me the words. Empower me. Let me hear what you want to say. How do you want to feed the sheep? So peace is powerful because it empowers you. To be like Jesus. And you notice that every time Jesus heals somebody, he does it differently. This is why I was so a bit nervous about when that fad came out. Sit in a chair and we'll stretch your legs. And that was the epitome of healing in the church for a season. Then somebody made a cartoon. This guy's pulling your leg. <laughs> Now, can legs get right and backs be straightened? Yes, 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 but let's not make a, a circus of it. Let's not make a, a technique of this thing. <laughs> and Smith, Smith Wigglesworth used to sometimes punch people in the stomach when he healed them. So I remember in my early days as a, a believer, all the young, zealous men would be punching each other in the stomach for healing and praying. That's, 
I hope that Patrick's a big guy. I hope that he doesn't uh, start punching us in the stomach. Yeah, no, we would punch one another in the stomach after Smith Wigglesworth to see them heal. <laughs> I'm sure... I'm sure, the fa- I'm, sh- I'm sure the father was laughing. <laughs> These guys. All right, but we're going to we're gonna have to restore them a bit before we can send them out. <laughs> now, now when you, I, we just had to do our new public liability. Uh, every year we have public liability. You have to do it to meet in public. It's expensive. Um, and uh, they have a list of questions, and you know the the questions. Some of them have to do: Are you are you pushing people over when you pray for them? Because there's been a lot of people hurt in church because they have been pushed over. And this is one of the things that they're asking in the public liability: you know, Do people fall down? They get slain in the spirit at your church. So these are some of the questions they ask you. You'd think that nobody would sue the church, but when I first started to train to be a pastor, uh, Pastor Dennis began to tell me about different situations in ch- church life where someone was suing some church, and I-, I think maybe someone actually sued our church back in New York. I don't remember the specifics, but uh, don't get any ideas, please. <laughs> but there's some people that sue the church because they get hurt or they slip on ice coming into the church or they you know, slip and hit their, their head on the pew if they get slain in the spirit. Anyway, <laughs> let us move forward. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there's no going to be, I'm not going to be pushing you over. Anna's not going to be pushing you over. Um, we're not going to be pushing you over. I just want to see God have his way. So peace empowers you to be an ambassador. Peace is the presence of the kingdom. It's like the air of the kingdom, the presence of the kingdom. And peace is the work of the kingdom. And peace is more than the absence of hostility. And peace is something that you carry, and that peace communicates the kingdom, it communicates Christ, it communicates the good news, and that's why we need to put on that peace, the good news of peace, because peace reflects heaven. And the third and last thing, the last piece here, It's after eight days. After eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, the doors having been shut, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, he knew what Thomas was thinking about even before. He knew what Thomas was saying the week before even though he wasn't with them, because he knows everything. Then he said to Thomas, reach here with your finger and see my hands, and reach here with your hand and put it into my side, and do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, 
Have you believed? Blessed are they who do not see, yet believed. Peace restores faith and trust in Jesus. Peace restores faith and trust in Jesus. So this time, when Jesus is coming and bringing peace, To Thomas, specifically, it's all about restoring his faith and trust in Jesus. And here Thomas is putting his fingers into the wound. So even after Jesus rose from the dead, he's physically resurrected. You need to know he's not a spirit or a ghost. He's physically resurrected. The first fruits of what is to come to the earth. He's physically resurrected. And Thomas gets to put his hands and actually feel his wounds and sometimes God allows us to feel him in a very wonderful beautiful way very close way but we need to be those who believe even if we don't see and even if we don't feel and even if we don't touch because blessed are those blessed are they who do not see, and yet believe. Blessed are they who do not see, and yet believed. This all causes Thomas to see that Jesus is Lord and God, not just a good man, but God himself. My Lord and my God. This, this is something that Shalom does. Arene. Does. This peace does. This peace restores faith and trust. And especially when we're in difficult times and disoriented and things are not going the way we had planned them, we need that belief and faith in Jesus himself. And we need to know the power of of what his wounds did for us, what his sacrifice did for us. Hallelujah. There's something else here in the middle. We see that in the middle one, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Spirit. Holy Spirit, if you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven. Peace will empower you to forgive. I guess that's the fourth thing, fourth main thing I'd like to say and last. Peace empowers you to forgive. It empowers you to forgive others. And this is the good news flowing out of our lives. Jesus' peace, heaven's peace, was purchased through the cross. And this is why Jesus shows his hands and feet. Our last verse will be Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. So question is, do we have our boots on? Have we received his peace? Are we walking in his peace? Are we allowing his peace to work in our lives? 
Do we have peace in the midst of the storm? So Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says this. And notice how it says justified. That's righteous. That's righteousness. That's God's righteousness. And then it then links that to peace. And notice how in the armor of God you have the truth, then you have righteousness, then you have peace. All those three things go together as all of the pieces of the armor go together. Therefore, having been justified by faith, In other words, therefore being made righteous by faith. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. What does this mean? It means we have friendship with God. It means we have an intact whole relationship with God. It means God is working to restore us. He is making us successful. And that success is the success of obedience. It means we have shalom with God. It's much more than just God's not angry with me. God's not mad at me. It's a lot more than that. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom also we have obtained Our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. We stand in this grace. We stand through the gospel of peace, these boots that we put on. And every day when we come into his presence and we allow Jesus to minister his peace to us, to speak his peace over us, that's what the morning challenge is about the March morning challenge, (laughs) or you may not do it in the morning, you may do it at night, but the March challenge is about you getting into the quiet place so that Jesus can speak his peace into your life and that you can carry that peace with you throughout the day. In other words, you're putting on your boots so you can walk throughout your day so that you can march forward. And without the boots on, without the peace on, without us being established in peace, we'll never be able to march forward. We'll never be able to spread the good news of the gospel. We'll never be an advancing kingdom. We'll be tossed back and forth by the storms. But thank God Jesus has purchased for us the best of shoes. When I was a kid, and I'm almost finished here. When I was a kid, the best shoes were the, the Nike Airs. This is, I think before they were called Air Jordans. And they had a little basketball on the top. And you could press that basketball, and it would uh, inflate some, uh, some plastic kind of tube in there. And it would make it feel tight. And then I remember you putting them on for the first time, and all the kids wanted to get them. And in New York, they may even kill you for the shoes. So you have to watch out that you're not wearing them in, in some place. Uh, that is uh, rough. But, you know, you press that those uh, basketballs, then all of a sudden you felt like you can jump as high as Dennis Smith Jr. or somebody like that. (laughs) You felt like you can jump high. Well, we couldn't, but we we felt it. (laughs) But when you put on the boots and the shoes of the gospel of peace, you can really walk with authority. You really walk in peace. It gives you air. 
And you're not afraid of people. And you'll be able to speak the word of God boldly. And you don't care what they think or their opinions. You just share the word. But you do it compassionately and lovingly and kind because you've got peace in your heart. But you also have a great boldness and authority that comes from wearing those shoes. They are powerful shoes. The Roman soldiers used to also trample over their enemies with their boots. Sometimes they have to kick in warfare. And we see the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Yeah, these boots are made for walking. Yeah. One of these days, these boots are going to walk all over you. <laughs> so, so I was like, yeah, you're bothering me, Satan, but one of these days, these boots are going to walk all over you. <laughs> Hallelujah. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under our feet. So how awesome is God's peace and shalom? Amen. Let's all stand. We're going we're gonna to pray. I don't want this to just be uh, information in our heads. I really want us to know it. Father, we are a people who need to know your shalom. Because without your peace... We will not be empowered. But thank you, Lord, that you have purchased on the cross our peace. And you have given us your peace. And it is so powerful. It's the reason why I can stand up here today. It's the reason why we can be here today. Is because... We have your peace. And I'm praying that your shalom grows in our hearts and our minds. As a church, that we would grow in your shalom. We would love your shalom. It would be something we value and seek after, that your shalom would so restore us that we would multiply. And that this church would be a church of shalom. Let your shalom overshadow us. Let your shalom surround us. Let your shalom dispel all of our fears. Let your shalom trample the enemy under our feet. Lord, right now I speak a blessing of shalom over your people, each and every one. Shalom in their minds, shalom in their hearts, shalom in their souls, shalom in their families, that they would see the evidence and the fruit of your shalom in their lives this week and the weeks to come. That every time we come here and we meet here, we would see the power of your shalom at work. That everybody that would come into this church would experience and taste and see your shalom, Lord. We just declare this place to be a place of deliverance and healing and life and love and grace and lots of shoes, lots of shoes. I have a picture, I have a picture of this place filled with shoes, filled with like high tops, 
Really good high tops. No brand name here. But these high tops, if you put them on, they're going to help you overcome. The cowl, help you overcome. They're going to help you walk in peace. They are going to enable you to walk in peace. And the Lord is saying, grab your, your shoes. Put them on. They're right there for you. Grab them and stand in them. This is, I bought these for you. They're your birthday present. You've been born again. This is your birthday present. I want you to take great pride in them. These ones never wear out. They never get dirty. Never get holes in them. They're supernatural. They're powerful. The Lord says, take it, put it on, and walk in it. And when you go into your home, and your workplace, and your community, walk in these boots of the good news of peace. And be my ambassador, says the Lord, because I have called you to be so. Thank you, Jesus. So, Lord, we just put this time into your hands, this short ministry time, that we would grab a hold of your peace. In Jesus' name. Amen.